Because when we are feeling like, oh God, when am I going to be there? You are making this destination as something, first of all, completely outside of yourself, that somehow you're going to change into this completely different person, rather than what is here right now. Welcome to the Naked and Unashamed Life podcast with me, Lucy Rowett, certified sex coach and sexologist. In this podcast, we're going to dive deep into the realms of sex, relationships, embodiment, spirituality, self-discovery, and so much more. This podcast is for women and femmes to shed the shame and create an unapologetic life with your body as your home, because sexual healing is about you coming home to yourself, to create not just a sex life, but a whole life that lights you up from the inside and turns you on. It's time to liberate yourself and live the naked and unashamed life. Let's dive in. This is your invitation to book your Empower Eros sessions. These are sessions for women and people with vulvas. And it's they are two sessions over the course of one month to explore your sexual potential, your erotic potential. We can go into, for example, exploring orgasms, having your first orgasm, liberating your libido, igniting your desire, building sexual confidence, building sexual communication, confidently asking for what you want in bed. You get all of my time and all of my energy and all of my love to help you work through what you want to have sexually and erotically. It's two sessions over the course of one month with WhatsApp and email support in between. So you get time to integrate, time to put what we did together in practice. The What we do is a mix of talking, movement, somatic exercises, guided exercises, homework, resources, PDFs different modalities of talk, touch, movement, so that you can experience your full pleasure potential. Because I know that deep down your body already knows how to experience pleasure. Your body already knows how to orgasm. Your eros is your life force. Let's start to open that and explore that and find, and I'm trying to find all these ways to quantify it, but to start to liberate your sexual self. All the details are in the show notes and if you have any questions, drop me a message or a DM. Now it's on to this episode. Enjoy. How will I know when I'm there yet? So I was inspired to record this podcast after conversations I've had, especially yesterday. And it's conversations I've had with people on my group programs, with clients in workshops and various things. And the general question that I'm trying to summarize it here and I'm not quite sure what I'll title this podcast, but it's when will I ever get there? You know, because the the women and the femmes that come to me uh, particularly, because this is who, how I advertise myself are the ones who feel either sexually shut down. Like, Why don't I have a raging libido? I've just got no libido. I can't come. I feel like a nun, whatever. And how can I get over this shame? When am I going to be in this place of there where I'm just this ravishing sex monster who's coming multiple times who's having loud screaming orgasms who's like Jessica Rabbit when am I going to be there and I wanted to answer that and what you can do about it in this podcast episode so I really hope you get what you need out of today so how will you know or how will you even get to there and when I say there, you can insert anything that you are really struggling with sexually right now and you just wish would magically transform. So if I think of the women and femmes that I work with and have worked with, like, when will I just be able to have multiple orgasms? When will I um, just be able to have a raging hot libido and just want to jump on my husband or my partner? Um, if you come from maybe an evangelical background or a faith background, purity culture background, like when will I just be able to release all of the shame and not feel ashamed anymore and just be completely liberated and free? So, and also what's interesting is you could substitute the whole topic of sex um, and intimacy for maybe something to do with health. Like I'm about to do a really awesome couple of interviews with Anna Holtzman who talks about chronic pain and works with chronic pain or chronic symptoms Um, and I'm quite open that I've had a chronic health condition chronic I say chronic 
I have a wonk, I have a, I say a wonky body. My body likes to loudly complain. <laughs> I'm going to put it that way. I'm very, um, I'm very intentional and deliberate how I describe my health. And I'll probably go into the reasons why another time. But, you know, I have a body that I like to joke, wonky brain, wonky body. I have a body that complains loudly um, and very, um, yeah, my body complains loudly. And I've been in recovery communities for a long time, which I'm so grateful for. And it's the same question, but in a different context. When will I be healed? When will I be there? When will I be... I don't know, completely symptom-free, fully recovered. Now, I'm not trying to, and I'm trying not to compare one with the other. And at the same time, when you are experiencing sexual shame, sexual shutdown, this feeling of, I just can't let go. It just feels like this massive block and I feel that there's something really wrong with me. That can be incredibly devastating and limiting to your quality of life and satisfaction even though it may not be as literally physically debilitating as chronic health. Or maybe you're one of those lucky ones who's experiencing both. So hopefully this episode is definitely for you. And, 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 uh, what I I have to say, my um, response, I would like to bet a lot of my tea collection could be applicable to both, whether it's sex and intimacy, learning how to let go, learning how to, or embracing your sensual self and erotic self, or in health recovery. So I have a few ideas. And the first one is in all of this striving, because when we are feeling like, oh God, when am I going to be there? And it's interesting because as I am talking and I'm gesticulating wildly, I'm using my hands to be like there. You are making this destination as something, first of all, completely outside of yourself, that somehow you're going to change into this completely different person. Rather than what is here right now? Okay. It's interesting because I was going to say something at the beginning, but I'm finding myself going in a slightly different direction, but I will circle back to that. So when I was working with one of my, uh, say, trauma nervous system coaches, Catherine Hale, and she trained under Rachel Maddox, and Rachel Maddox created this really awesome trauma healing framework called Rebloom or the Rebloom method. And I'm sure it's not just her method. There are many different modalities and lineages and all sorts. And it comes back to, we already have an innate, I don't know, blueprint. Uh, in, in the re-blue method, they use the word blueprint. Um, you could substitute that for anything. But it's this concept that our bodies our nervous systems, if you are somebody who is into woo, you could say your energy field and your spirit, your soul, whatever, doesn't matter, has an innate knowledge, has an innate drive for health and vitality. It's this idea that it's already innate within you. It's not something that you have to change. Like I remember when I finished up with one wonderful client, and we're finishing up of our work together and we were talking because a big part of our work, surprise, surprise or not, was around, you could say self-care, but really learning how to love herself and advocate for herself. And it was something, I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to paraphrase, but it was something along the lines of, and by the way, darling, if you're listening to this, I'm probably completely misquoting it. But it was something along, along the lines of, um, I... I'm just a completely different person now and I'm not the person I was before. And what I and what I said in response to that was, well, well, no, you haven't actually, I could say changed, but all of this was already there. What we did was prune some of the weeds that were, were growing around. But all of that pleasure, all of that life force, all of that love, that worthiness, everything, it was already there inside you we were just helping to remove some of the things that were blocking it so what if this was a way of thinking about when it comes to for example eros life force pleasure your sexual self because i i love to use this analogy there are many analogies i love using but that 
your body, first of all, and I don't think this is an analogy, but your body is hardwired for pleasure. If we think about it, all of the thousands of nerve endings that exist within your body, they're literally hardwired for pleasure. And it's this idea that your body already knows how to experience pleasure. And if you've been a client of mine, you would have heard me say that multiple times. I'm just saying it again. Your body's hardwired for pleasure. And if we use this idea that whenever I talk about sexuality, I'm using it in the broadest possible sense. And I often interchange it with the term eros. And from, you know, you could say sacred sexuality traditions and schools of thought, it's this idea that your sexual energy which is not the same as penis and vagina sex, your sexual energy or your eros is your life force energy. It is a thing that keeps you connected to life. Um, if we're going to get super metaphorical about it, if you think about, you know, the literal act of penis and vagina sex, um, not I say ideally, biologically, it's meant to create a new life. And it's this idea that what if we could think about sexual energy, eros, in whatever way it manifests for you or how you feel it, what if that was your life force? And it's not just something or not necessarily something you just feel in your pussy or in your genitals. It's something that manifests in so many ways. Like I remember, what was it? A few years ago, I was on this um, a CPD training can't remember what it was for <laughs> but I remember it was a CPD training with a sex therapy training thing and I wish I could remember oh I think it was on erotic transference or something my memory is terrible but one of the exercises we did when we broke off into small groups was imagine that you are speaking to an alien how would you describe what sex is and then how would you describe what eros is or the erotic is and that really got our head scratching because like, how would you explain to an alien who's never maybe, maybe just for hypothetical sake, you know, for hypoth hypothetical sake has never experienced sex, how we experience it or eros in the way we experience it. How would you define it or explain it? <laughs> and like, that's interesting, isn't it? And this is why, um, you know, the amazing sex therapist, Esther Perel, Esther Perel, sorry, I do love to add in a Frenchy accent every now and then. She talks about the concept of the erotic and the erotic is something bigger than just S-E-X. And if I'm circling back to when we think about, I don't know, sex in general, when you're trying to overcome your sexual shame and shed your, shed your sexual shame and have more orgasms and just turn up, turn up your libido, all of that. What if we switch the word sex to eros? Where do you feel your eros? Where do you feel your life force? Where is that? How can we amplify that? And that wonderfully leads on to the next point. Um, by the way, when I was um, preparing this podcast, I was thinking, shall I write bullet points? Yeah, no. So the second thing is, I invite you to take the concept of either sex off the menu, libido, orgasm, whatever it is where you feel this great big hump, pun intended or not. What if you threw that out the window and replaced it with pleasure? What is pleasurable to you? Where is pleasure? What feels good? And I love it because it just makes it so simple because our brains are wonderful, complicated, annoying things that are constantly overcomplicating. And if you have any history of working with your brain and your mind and your emotions, you'll know that your brain, especially under stress, will make massive overcomplications of things when it doesn't need to. I speak absolutely for myself there. And it's this idea of rather than tying yourself up in knots and going round and round and round in your head, oh, how can I just ooh, feel more, have more libido? Why does my body feel so numb and dead? Why, how can I shed this shame? What if, flip it over, what is pleasurable to me? What feels good to me? And that is a really wonderful way of um, trying to think of a term here. But the thing is, when we are... When things are causing us pain, when we have anxiety, chronic conditions, plus 
the T word, trauma. When we are really in our pain and our stories of pain and everything that's going wrong on, and our brains are constantly going how awful things are, how awful we are, blah, 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 blah. It's very easy to get stuck there because as humans, we have an inbuilt negativity bias, which is how we stay alive. That's me very, very, very badly generalizing <laughs> a lot of, uh, what's it, polyvagal theory and nervous system theory. Um, but hopefully if you are familiar with that, you will forgive me for making this massive overgeneralization about negativity bias. But when we instead, no, here's, here's where I'm going with this. It is, you can spend years in therapy and in some modalities, focusing on all the things that were awful and are awful, especially if you come from a, a background where there's a lot of trauma and a lot of shit there. Like, um, you know, when often when I've spoken to people from purity culture, from faith backgrounds, and there's a lot of real trauma there, not to discount that any trauma is real trauma. It all is. And it's really easy to kind of get stuck there in terms of to, to be constantly rehashing all of the awful things that happened, all the shame that you feel, all the things, all, all the horribleness. And that is absolutely valid. We need that. Um, you know, there's, uh, what's it? There is balance in everything. And we do need to, in part of the healing process, to feel those feelings of rage and anger and sorrow and grief and all of that stuff. So important. And, and, then what next? Because you can stay there. And this is often why people will come to work with me and many other sex coaches or in sexual healing modalities, because they've rehashed it over and over again in therapy, especially talk therapy or talk coaching, going over the pain. Um, I say the pain in the broader sense of the word, but then what next? What would pleasure feel like to you? What would, what feels good to you? Um, I know I've shared this in multiple places in that, um, I don't know if I've shared this one, but no, I shared this in a previous episode. I remember the first ever Sexual Freedom Awards I went to. And one of the performances, I highly recommend you go to the Sexual Freedom Awards, by the way, big plug for them. Um, I remember one of the performances, because as part of the award ceremony, it's broken up with lots of amazing erotic performances that are just so out of the box. And there was a stripper there and in her performance and as part of her story, she said that she took up stripping as a way of reclaiming her body after an abusive relationship. And I can think of, I've got friends who took up pole dancing as a way of um, recovering from really serious abuse and eating disorders. I know people who took up burlesque for similar reasons. Like I remember, you know, in my own story, in my own healing from purity culture, diving into tantra and sacred sexuality. There is a time and a place and a need to process all of the horrible things that have happened, but then we need to focus on, well, how do I want to feel instead? It's why so many people take up twerking, um, erot I say erotic dancing, salsa dancing, anything that makes you feel sexy, because it's a way of, okay, this gives me something to live for. And if I circle back to slightly earlier, when you focus on what brings me pleasure, there's multiple benefits to that. First of all, I mean, one of the things I get my clients to do is to keep a pleasure journal of paying attention to everything that brought them pleasure, not just sexual pleasure, but sensory pleasure. I don't know, auditory pleasure. You know, we've got the five senses, touch, taste, sound, touch, taste, sound, smell, and hearing. I hope I'm remembering all of those. So paying attention to what brought me pleasure. And without a doubt, every time they do that, it's always, I didn't realize how much pleasure I was already experiencing. And I'm like, yep, see? And that loops back to the first point. Your body, your nervous system already knows how to experience pleasure. You're already experiencing it. We just need to amplify that more. Plus, another added benefit, it reminds you, oh yeah, I can do it. I do feel pleasure. I do feel good. And that's another way, you know, especially when, okay, why can't I orgasm? Why can't I have a libido? What's wrong with me? And 
inadvertently you end up focusing on everything that is wrong, everything that is not working, as opposed to well, what can I feel? What do I feel? Another reason why I love <laughs> setting this homework, and by the way, please do take this homework for free, take it, keep a pleasure journal. I would love to hear what you find pleasurable in that it's a really awesome way of counteracting all of the conditioning that we all mostly received. I say all, most of us received in different severity that any form of pleasure, any form of feeling good is bad. Bonus points if you come from a faith background, but you don't have to have come from a faith background. That This shit conditioning is everywhere. And it's it can be really hard to go against it. And that's a whole other episode in itself around, uh, you know, we have an internalized um, oppressor or an internalized bully, an internalized slave driver. And you probably can resonate with that where you have that, you could say, inner critic. But it's often more than that, this, this push within us to constantly push ourselves and punish ourselves and make ourselves suffer and make ourselves work hard, which is actually a byproduct of capitalism, of patriarchy, where... I can't remember who came up with the concept of internalized capitalism. Let me know and I can credit them. But I, I love the term internalized capitalism, where we are constantly over harvesting our internal resources, learning how to pay attention to pleasure and then consciously cultivate it is bloody effective and revolutionary in many different ways. You know, if you are of some, if you are of the activist mentality or of the kind of countercultural mentality, the book Pleasure Activism by Adrienne, Adrienne Marie Brown is really powerful. Also, the book Shake Your, Shake Your, Shake Your Soul Song by Debbie Ward. God, I am not pronouncing things well today. It's this idea that pleasure is incredibly. It's incredibly powerful. Also, one of my friends and colleagues, Juliet Hornbury, I think, published the book, The Healing Power of Pleasure. Pleasure, and whenever I say pleasure, I'm using this in the broadest definition of the word deliberately, is healing in so many ways. Learning how to feel good and feel pleasure can be hard in that it's something that you're not used to. And you know, it's also quite easy to turn that into another stick that you beat yourself up with. So again, keep bringing it back to what feels good right now. How can I amplify this feeling good right now? Um, Kimberly Ann Johnson talks about it in her book, Call of the Wild, where um, I really wish I could remember all of the terms for this, but hear me out. If you've read the book, Call of the Wild, you know what I mean. But that we are, our nervous systems are, as humans, our default can be living in a, a state of stress. And when I say a state of stress, that can mean many different things. But it's something that we're used to. We are used to and we end up being drawn to feeling in a state of stress in multiple different ways. And she uses that um, red. So consciously leaning into what feels good. And that doesn't have to be, oh my God, I feel amazing. It can even be, this feels okay, or this feels nice, this feels calm, this feels soothing. Consciously leaning into that is, I want to say hard, not hard. It's something that takes intention. Um, in the somatic world, we use the term pendulation. And basically that means... For example, you're feeling stressed, you're feeling anxious, or maybe you've just got this low-level feeling of, Ugh. then what you do is find where can you feel good, what feels good right now. So, for example, if I'm using a really practical example, right now I'm sitting on a chair holding my podcast microphone, and today I'm feeling really cranky. I had a really hard German class that made my brain just go fat, and I've been feeling in a really cranky mood today. So as I am recording this podcast, I'm aware that I'm still feeling tension in my body. I'm feeling, you know, my, my hands are slightly clenching. I can feel a bit of um, gritting in my teeth. And I have this wonderful cup of tea in my arms, in my hands. Of course, Lucy's drinking tea. And it's, it's some sort of 
black tea with spice in it. And it's from last year, but it smells amazing. I take a sip. Mm. <laughs> Bit of ASMR for you. It's warm. It's sweet. It's just lovely. So what I've done is I have gone from feeling something, feeling stress or feeling something that doesn't feel good to focusing on what does feel good. And as I'm saying that, I'm then aware of, okay, I can still feel that tension in my hands. I can still feel this clenching in my jaw. And now I'm going to go back to focusing on what feels good right now, which is my cup of tea. Yum. And I can also feel the warmth of it in my hands. And I can also smell because I've been burning some, not burning, I've been diffusing some essential oils. Mm, I can smell the, whatever the oil blend was, <laughs> some sort of fruit and spice and peppermint. I can look onto my, I've got a little altar on my side and I can see this gorgeous wooden box that my husband bought me in one of his work trips. I've got my crystal rose quartz angel. I've got my vulva Christmas baubles. I've got my gorgeous oracle cards. So just in a few minutes, I've been demoing pendulating. So going between feeling stressed, feeling angsty to huh, what feels good right now. I'm also aware that oh, this room feels really cozy right now. I've got my warm, cozy, what's it on? My warm, cozy cardigan on. So I haven't done anything drastically different. And yet I've oriented towards what feels good right now. And if I'm going to up my pleasure levels even more, I'm probably going to make another cup of tea after I finish this podcast. I'm probably going to do some dancing. I'm probably going to have a bath. Consciously focusing on what feels good and amplifying that and then doing more things is me infusing pleasure and feel good into my, into my life. So what can you take from that? How much pleasure can you allow yourself to feel knowing that you're already experiencing pleasure already? Again, you may find when you're doing this, oh my God, I didn't realize I'm actually capable of experiencing a lot of pleasure. And another double whammy in that it really helps build your self-worth. I've been intentionally practicing pleasure for, I don't know how many years, less than 10, I can't remember. But it's become really instinctual now, especially around the products I use on my skin, the clothes I wear, the colors I wear. It's become so ingrained in me that I will do things like the, the creams I use, the perfumes I use. I intentionally put things into my life, into my space that feel good, that make me feel good. What if you could make pleasure part of your practice, an imperfect, messy practice. I mean, bloody hell, I mean, literally messy, if you could see my living space. But you're constantly moving towards that. Okay. And if we're going to put that into a sexual context, in a really practical way of doing that, when you're having sex with your partner, you're, you're, ma you're making out, you're touching, you're kissing. Instead of, when am I going to come? Why don't I feel like this? Bring it back to what feels good right now. It is a form of meditation and a really nice form of it. When your partner's touching you, really focus on what feels good about them touching me. If they're sucking your nipple, if they're licking your clit, um, if they're stroking their hair, your hair, if they're kissing you, what feels good? And maybe if you find yourself building up to orgasm, you're like, okay, I really want this orgasm to come. And by the way, like everyone does this, I, I notice myself doing this. Notice that and then bring it back to instead of, I really want to come right now, focus on what feels good and amplify that. Because the flip side of that is the more we focus on what feels good, the more likely you are to have an orgasm. And, 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 just so you don't make this another thing of trying to beat yourself up with. The point is the pleasure, not the orgasm. The point is literally savoring as much pleasure as you can. If you want to make this a task, you could make that your task. How much pleasure can I allow myself to feel? How 
good can I allow myself to feel? If I come, that's great, but that's not the point. The point is to soak it all up and soak it all in. Try that. And you'll probably find you are somebody with a larger erotic appetite than you thought you had. That makes me very happy every time (laughs) women realize that. You probably have a higher erotic, sensual, sensory, uh, what's the other one? Energetic appetite than you ever realized. I mean, you know, that's a whole other tangent about diet culture, literal appetite for food and how the way that women and people who are socialized as female are socialized is that appetite is bad. Food is bad. Don't be fat. Being greedy is bad. And so again, that's another wonderful countercultural thing of allowing yourself to be greedy with pleasure. Literally allow yourself to soak it all up and soak it all in. Embody the archetype of being a pillow queen. And I'm saying this deliberately also because in my experience, most, many of the women and people of vulvas, I don't want to say everyone because this is not a qualitative study or anything like that, but so many really struggle with the concept of letting themselves receive, letting themselves be greedy, letting themselves be, I don't know, sloth, I'm thinking of like the seven deadly sins. <laughs> There is, you know, the, the, the good girl mentality, the martyr mentality runs so deep. And so part of that healing and maybe not just sexual, but in many aspects of life, letting yourself be greedy, letting yourself receive, letting yourself be, I say, a pleasure slut. And I deliberately love using the word slut, really embracing that and realizing how much of that is missing in the rest of your life. Um, I, I, what's that? I posted a reel, I think it was yesterday, I'm recording this on the 15th of November 2023, and I was saying that cats, you could also say dogs as well, are really good teachers in sexuality. For example, when you stroke a cat or you stroke a dog and they like it, you best believe they like it. They are greedy for more. They are lying on their back saying, stroke my belly, give it to me. And they have no shame, no qualms about that. When they're hungry, they have no qualms about saying, feed me, food slave. They have no qualms about it. And, you know, also I I use the, the, um, the analogy of babies and small children. They have no qualms about asking for what they want, demanding what they want, and showing when something feels good. You know, if you've ever... I say when you've bathed a baby or a toddler and they really like it and they're smiling and, you know, when you're giving them tummy rubs, this is something that as humans, we know how to do. We all knew how to do, which was to receive, to feel good, to enjoy when things feel good. But we we were conditioned to, to not. So it's coming back to that. Let yourself feel good. And what if that could be the goal? And what if allowing yourself to feel good and, I don't know, pimping up your life as much as you can? Um, you know, I another example I'll give is that I am not somebody who can wear beige. I am not a minimalist in my life, okay? I walk around Vienna and I see these women wearing really chic beige and greys and I think, part of me thinks, oh, I kind of wish I could do that, but that's not me. I'm a maximalist. And I've really learned to embrace that maximalism. I love, I love bright colors, really loud, bright colors. I like sparkly things. I like pretty, I like bright colors. Okay. I like bold prints and I've embraced that about myself. What if you could let more of your appetite in every sense of the word come through? Because what if, what if underneath all of these feelings of freeze, which is generally what it is when you're feeling a lot of sexual shame, you're struggling to come, uh, maybe having issues with libido, although I will cover that a bit more later because libido is not what we think it is. In my experience, underneath that, there is a very wild woman, wild person lurking there who does not like convention and does not conform to convention. What if a lot of this feeling of shutdown is coming from 
not being allowed to be fully yourself, which leads on beautifully to the next point. If, again, we were to, I don't know, I say use the chakra system, maybe you're somebody who loves the concept of chakras. I'm, you know, ambivalent. But I like the idea that our, you could say, eros and our sexual energy is tied into our sacral chakra, which is intrinsically tied into our creativity. Our sexual energy, our desire is very linked to our creativity. How much are you allowing yourself to express that creativity? And that doesn't mean you have to take up painting if that doesn't work for you. Or maybe you really want to take up painting or you love painting. What are you doing that is stimulating your creative urges? It could be writing. It could be, um, I don't know, singing. It could be dancing. What are you nurturing that inner artist? And you may be thinking, what's this got to do with like having more orgasms? If you've ever read the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, and generally if you're listening to this podcast and you resonate with the stuff that I do, you're probably somebody who is very sensitive and deep, deep down, there's an artist there. What if you could let more of that out? What if you could allow yourself to create the things you really want to create and express parts of you that you're not allowing yourself to express? So I always say a final thought, but I always say two or three final thoughts. So here is the fourth point that is for you to think about. So one of my all-time favorite teachers is Barbara Corellis and her work of Urban Tantra. Highly recommend getting the book and checking it out. And she has another book called uh, Ecstasy is Necessary, and I always reference that book. And it's this idea that sexual energy and ecstasy is far bigger than what we do with our genitals. And a very brief history lesson. Uh, Barbara Corellis uh, created Urban Tantra as a modality in New York during the 1980s AIDS crisis as a way for gay men and gay folk to be sexual and erotic with each other without putting each other at literal physical risk. And so what she did was she took a lot of teachings and work from neo-tantra and sacred sexuality and turned it into a really yummy inclusive practice. And one of my favorite, I don't know, teachings of that is the concept that a turn on because whenever we hear the term turn on, you think, I am turned on for sex. What if turn on wasn't just, I am feeling horny? A turn on is literally anything that makes you feel buzzy, yummy, um, connected, zingy, hmm, alive. What makes you feel alive? Because when we think, when we hear the term arousal, we automatically think sexual arousal. But actually, literally, arousal is anything that starts to get our blood pumping, that starts to get our pupils dilating, that starts to get our skin tingling. So you can feel physical arousal that's not sexual when you're at a music concert, for example, or when you are watching something really interesting, or when you're having a conversation where it's just flowing, or you're, you're talking about something you're passionate about. Um, it could even be um, when you're playing with an animal that you love. Anything, and also on the flip side, arousal can also be when you're overstimulated as well. Um, if you're somebody who's highly sensitive, I think in, in the book, The Highly Sensitive Person by Elaine Aaron, she talks about how people who are highly sensitive, we have a low, we have a lower threshold for what provokes arousal, which can mean which can mean why we become more sensitive to stimuli than people who aren't sensitive. And we can turn that to our advantage that where if you are somebody who's highly sensitive and sensory, there are probably, I would bet my entire tea collection, many things that turn you on and make you feel buzzy, yummy, juicy, connected. So, you know, she has a, I, I give this worksheet to, lots of people and it's from the book ecstasy is necessary and she has this exercise called my top 10 turn-ons for life and this can be literally anything think about what turns you on what makes you feel alive 
and then start doing more of that. Follow those breadcrumbs. What, and then looping back to the second point, what brings you pleasure, sensory pleasure, sensual pleasure in particular? What if you were to start putting more of these into your life intentionally? And also another question on that um, worksheet that I love because it's on the top 10 turn-ons for life. It's my favorite touch to receive is. My favorite touch to give is. Another one, what brings me deeper into my body is what makes me feel like flying is. If you want, you can pause this podcast and go back over those, write them down, journal on them. Think about that. What makes you feel like flying? What makes you bring, what brings you deeper into your body? What makes you feel buzzy? What makes you feel yummy? Find more of them and do more of them. And you may find that there are many sensual, slightly erotic things you do like, that you do enjoy, and maybe you're just not doing enough of them, because we've all been taught and conditioned that the only real sex, ahem, is penis and vagina, rather than umpteen other things we can be doing for pleasure, for, for joy, for pleasure. I like to think of this also as... I don't know, not the term exposure, exposure therapy, but the idea that especially if you come from a really difficult background or you feel that there's a lot of shame or generally there's a lot of hang-ups around, I have no libido, I have no desire. When you are focusing on what feels good to you and doing more of that, that is really going to build your self-esteem and your self-confidence. And then you realize Actually, there are many things that bring me pleasure. There are many things that make me feel yummy in my body. There are many things that feel good to me. Maybe I wasn't broken after all. Maybe there is nothing wrong with me. Because by the way, there is nothing wrong with you. You've just learned how to be a certain way. And you know, if I'm talking, if we're thinking about, for example, a lot of sexual shame or feeling un- feeling inhibited, well, that's a f- form of the freeze response. Um, and by the way, this is me massively overgeneralizing. If I'm but just using polyvagal theory, for example, the freeze response is something that our bodies and nervous systems do in order to keep us alive. I remember uh, when I worked uh, at a client earlier on this year, and I've not just with her, with quite a few other clients, where when they have talked about really difficult periods in their lives and they've said, you know, I just, I just kind of shut down, you know, I, I wasn't taking care of myself. Um, you know, I really wasn't taking care of myself. And I say, no, your body was doing exactly what it needed to do to keep you alive because the freeze response is your body's way of keeping you alive. Isn't that incredible? Your body and nervous system was doing exactly what they needed to do in order to keep you alive. Isn't that awesome? They're working exactly in the way they needed to. Now it's about teaching your body and nervous system that we don't need this anymore. Thank you, freeze response. Thank you, shutdown, I know. Thank you for trying to keep me safe and alive. You're doing exactly what you need to be doing. And now we don't need that anymore. Now it is safe. Now I can feel good. Um, Oh God, there's so many tangents whenever I record this podcast. I really hope that this starts to, I don't know, give you food for thought, give you inspiration as to, huh, maybe I don't need to wish, oh, I wish I could be more free. I wish I could, um, I don't know, be more shameless. I wish I could just be this person that just loudly comes and all of that. What if instead you amplify what's already there, that pleasure that is already there, um, even turn on that is already there and you amplify that? Like I say, maybe this is the final thought, maybe thought number five. Um, And where am I going with this? Remember that we have all been taught and conditioned that what a fully expressed sexual woman or sexual person looks like needs to look a certain way. 
You know, if you think about um, when we see sexy actresses or like sexy people in the media or whatever. By the way, I'm all for that. And that's only one way in which a woman or somebody can experience feeling sexually liberated. There are so many other ways. Like if I think of, you know, many people, many clients who come to me, who approached me, often they're people who are much more introverted, much more sensitive. And so it kind of makes sense. Well, do I really, is it really me to be somebody who's loudly like, oh yes, all my clothes are falling off. (laughs) I'm trying to do an example of that. Maybe that's not part of who you are. Maybe you are somebody who's quietly sensual. I love um, sending people to the erotic blueprints quiz by Jaya um, because it's this idea that there are so many ways in which we experience eros outside of what we are taught. Maybe you're somebody who has more of an erotic blueprint that's sensual or energetic or even kinky and you're not getting that met. Of all the people that I know, again, on my soapbox, I bet a lot of my tea that if you're having low libido, struggling to come, all of these things, you're actually somebody who is highly sensory, highly sensual, and that isn't being met. So what if we could amplify that? Again, there is nothing wrong with you. But you've been taught that there's a certain way that we have to be sexual and sensual and erotic. And that just isn't you because that's not everybody. And by the way, I haven't even gone into explaining like the accelerator and the brake or what's it from the work of Emily Nagoski or the the idea that for many, many women and people socialize as female, often it's more responsive, your desire. It needs more. um, I know in other sex educators, they talk about in general, for a lot of women, often female sexual desire is a slow burn. Often, not all. I know many women, and I'm probably one of those, where it can happen really quickly. What if yours just needs more time? Like um, in the, God, I'm really on fire today. I'm quoting so many books. I will try and remember everything I, I quoted. I can't promise that. But in the book Sex for One by Betty Dodson, I remember she talked about how most women and femmes never have enough time to get fully, fully, fully sexually aroused. And she talked about how if you need half an hour, you need half an hour. Can you give yourself, just yourself, this is just by masturbating, half an hour. Be generous with that time with yourself or you're giving your body, yourself, all the time that you need, that it needs. And that can go into all sorts of conditioning around, I don't have any time. I think there is time if you make it. I don't deserve it. Hmm. All stuff around self-worth. Oh, do I deserve to feel this much? Am I allowed to feel this much? Yes, you are. (laughs) Who am I to feel all of this pleasure? Who am I to suddenly be? Maybe I am turning into a ravishing sex monster. Maybe not. All of these are questions that are worth pondering and exploring and feeling with and playing with. (sighs) I know. I'm thinking of a conversation I had with a friend last week where I was like, darling, you are far too wild to be a frumpy housewife. (laughs) And I'll say this to all of you too. All of you listening, every single one, you are far too wild to be either a frumpy housewife, house husband, house person. There's a lot of wildness there. It maybe comes out in different ways, but you've got to let it out. Spoken from one wild person to another. Anyway, I will wrap this up. Do, where was I going with this? I can't remember. I would love to hear how you found this, your takeaways. Do let me know either via DM, email, what you took from this. Maybe what brings you pleasure. I'd love to know what your takeaways were or what you are taking from this. And if you are wanting more to start waking up your desire, Empower Eros sessions are going to be amazing for you. So get all the details in the link below in Empower Eros sessions. It's two sessions over the course of one month where we go 
a little bit deeper into a sexual or erotic, you could say, block or thing or hurdle. And we start to gently work through it to awaken and liberate your eros and sexuality. All the details are in the link below. Any questions you have, just send me an email or a direct message and we can book a free call. And I can't wait to help. To help you liberate your own sexuality, because it ain't me who's liberating it, it's you. See you next time. Before we go, what if you could have access to a whole library of everything you could possibly want to learn about sex, from not just sex advice and sex tips, but how um, introduction to BDSM, self-pleasure magic, um, tantric sex, sensual massage, um, introduction to how to give a great blowjob, great anal. If only you had, if only we had this kind of education when we were younger, but we've got it now. So if you've been following me for a while, you know I'm a huge fan of Beducated. They are a subscription platform giving you access to, I don't know how many, bloody how many courses they've got on there, but lots and lots and lots of every kind of course you could imagine or possibly imagine to get better at sex, to have more pleasurable, connected, um, I say exciting sex. And right now, until November 26th, it's now November 17th when I'm recording this, I'm about to publish, you can get 60% off your entire year subscription to celebrate Black Friday, even though most companies now are like doing Black Friday for the whole month of November. Anyway, this is your game. You can get 60% off the entire library, your entire yearly subscription, which is incredible. So I'll put the link in the show notes. Yes, it is an affiliate code for me, but you'll know that I only ever promote companies or people or organizations that I genuinely rate and recommend. And my course, Orgasmic Liberation, How to Have Spectacular Orgasms for Women and People with Vulvas is also included as part of your Beducated subscription. So you get all of that, plus access to however many courses they have, I really should remember, but for 60% off and for the whole of November, what is it? You get access to 60% off this November for the whole year. Get on it now. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Can you do me a huge favor? I would be so grateful if you could rate and review this podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, and any other platform I post this podcast to. It helps more people listen to it and it helps spread the word. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode or any of the other episodes, I would be so grateful if you shared it with someone who you think would really enjoy it and benefit from it. Want to stay in touch on social media? You can find me on Instagram at Lucy Lou Rowett, on TikTok at Lucy Rowett, and on Facebook and LinkedIn and probably other social media platforms too. And finally, don't forget to join my mailing list. If you sign up, you get a free PDF on how to confidently communicate in bed to avoid awkwardness and have what you really, really want. So it's in the link in my show notes. It's in the link in my bio and my Instagram. It's on my website. It's in loads of places. So do sign up because not only do you get me direct into your inbox, but because I talk about sex, I never know if I'm going to be banned from any social media platform. So let's stay in touch. And if you want to explore working together, you can contact me through my website or through the link in my show notes. Until then, here's to living a shameless, shame-free life full of pleasure on your own terms in your body. Until next time.